0: Could you turn with me very briefly, please, to Luke chapter 23? And I'd like to read with you from verse number 32. Then there were two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right-hand side, one on the left. Verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanging blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? For we indeed justly, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the ninth hour, darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened. The veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. Father, as we look at this very solemn passage open our hearts, open our eyes, open our minds to see the cost of the cross, for God so loved the world. Amen. I thought it was appropriate to start with a history picture. In 1897, a rather remarkable event took place in the context of the history of our congregation. The Duke and the Duchess of York were visiting Belfast. And believe it or not, when the Duke and Duchess of York visited Belfast in 1897, it was a national holiday. The streets were covered in uh, bunting and everything else. And they passed the corner of the Albert clock, past old Victoria Hall, which I spoke to you a minute ago about. And as they passed old Victoria Hall... David Ray, who was a well-known evangelist at the time, had mobilized the congregation and others to wait there on the roadside. And as the Duke and Duchess of York passed and went round the corner, and the parade went past with them, David Ray and 500 members of our congregation and other congregations joined in behind the Duke and Duchess of York and followed them round the city, singing hymns and cl- cl- uh, carrying placards, which said, "John three 16. Try following the Duke and Duchess of York around the city today to see what happens to you. You wouldn't be allowed to. You see. I'm having a problem here. Could we move on, Sharif, please? Um, The words of John 3.16 are known right throughout the whole world. Whatever language you go into, Chinese, Japanese, French, English, Italian, whatever language you want to go into. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we've been looking at this verse, it's called the Golden Text. It summarizes so much of the gospel message in a couple of sentences. And so therefore we want to look at whoever believes today. So we're having problems with this machine. this morning. There we go. Oh, sure, could you put that one up there? Thank you. Um, I want to just look at it in terms of three headings. Danger, destiny, and duty. Whenever I was a boy at university and I lived in Japan, I used to go out into the islands in Tokyo Bay and snorkel. We used to take a ferry out. And one day we stayed in this B&B on the islands and we went out and the lady in the B&B said, where did you go today? And we said, oh, we went around. Such and she such said, oh, she said, I should have told you. What should you have told us? Nobody goes around that headland because it was a recent shark attack and it's very dangerous. And I thought, well, thank you for telling us when we got back. Because if there's a danger ahead, we want to be alerted to that danger. We want to know about it. And the Bible says very, very clearly could you move on? Sharitha? I'll get abandoned this here. Uh, the Bible tells us very, very clearly that the danger is that we might not perish. Might not perish. And so therefore, right in the heart of this little word, verse that we've been considering, is the word perishing. In other words, What we're saying with this verse is, there is a danger ahead. A real significant danger. Not a physical danger, but a spiritual danger. Because that danger leads and has two destinies. The destinies are quite simply explained to us in that verse. It says that we might might not perish, but have everlasting life. That we might not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, the Bible message is this that you, as a person, are under a dangerous situation spiritually. That if you die, that is not the end. Whenever you're going to the grave, it's not all over. It's just starting. There is eternity ahead. There is life beyond the grave. Jesus Christ proved that by his death and his resurrection from the grave. That's what the Easter story is all about. We might not perish. And the Bible talks about perishing. It uses a lot of imagery. It talks about darkness, but it also talks about fire. It talks about loneliness. It talks about isolation. It talks about alienation. It talks about it in the darkest way that the human language can express it. It doesn't mean those images are literal. It's expressing to you a condition in which you are alienated, isolated for all eternity from a God who loves you. What a terrifying thought that you might not perish. The reality is that there is a place that the Bible calls hell. We don't like to talk about it. We don't stand up here and pound it. We simply want to make you aware of the danger. That lady in the B&B told me far, far too late. I'd already been around the point. I'd already been diving. I'd already exposed myself to the danger. We don't want you to be too late because there is a destiny where you could perish or you could have everlasting life. Think about it. Everlasting life. The Bible talks about heaven. It talks about light. It talks about the glory of God's presence. It talks about beauty. It talks about a new Jerusalem. It talks about a new world. It talks about so much more beyond the grave. But there is a destiny that we could perish and be lost for all eternity. Or there's a destiny. That we could believe and we could be with God forever. That we might not perish but have everlasting eternal life which commences the moment you believe. But we have a duty. We pick up the next one. That whoever believes in him. You know, as a history teacher, I've been asked to believe a lot of things. As a vice principal, I can remember boys coming into me, into my office, and said, okay, what happened? He said, sure, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah, his version of the truth. It was always his fault, never my fault. Because, you see, Belief is at a very superficial level, at the the lowest level, if you like it, is accepting what another person says. As a matter of fact, the Chinese character for belief is a really interesting one. It's a man, it's made up of two pictures, a man standing behind beside his word. The two come together to mean believe. Trust me, believe me. And maybe you at this moment in time believe the Bible. Yes, it's true. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yes, it's a fantastic book to read. Yes, there's wonderful messages in it. Yes, Jesus Christ existed. I, I, I believe all that. But you're believing it intellectually here. And it hasn't impacted. Let me get controversial. Remember at the start of the pandemic, the scientists saw came out and said, there's a pandemic coming. And you had a choice of, Believing or not believing? And if you believed, you did something. We'll leave the not believing aside. Let's look at the believing. If you believed, you went and you took the isolation. You wore a mask. You were vaccinated. You took action. Your belief, your trust, he's saying that's true, required something more than that from you. You had to respond to that belief. You had to behave in a way that showed you believed it. No point in saying, yeah, I believe that pandemic COVID comes along, but I'm just going to carry on like normal. And you know what would happen. But because you believed it, you decided you were willing to do something to prevent you getting the disease. And that's the level we need to go to. It's not just accepting what the Bible says up here. It's saying it requires me to do something about it. Believe means to accept and to place your trust in Him. To accept Him as your Savior. As your Lord. To decide to follow Him to make him in charge of your life. And the people who did that in the book of Acts are for the first time called Christians. A Christian is not somebody who has an academic idea. A Christian is not somebody who comes from some race or culture or creed. A Christian is not a Western idea. A Christian is one who has said, I hear, I understand, I accept, I believe. I did it as a boy, 1962, 60 years ago this year. Peter Brandon was speaking at the happy hour. You'll read about it in the book. Not that I'm trying to sell the book. But you'll read about it in the book. Not my story, but about Peter Brandon. And he came along and he spoke to us. And he told us about the message of the gospel. And I went home that night as a boy, a seven-year-old. Yes, I'm 67. I went home that night and kneeled down at the side of my bed in Litchfield Avenue in East Belfast. I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. And it's been ups and downs and all the rest. I'm not going to pretend it hasn't been. But from that moment, on the 19th of March, 1962, I know I believed. And that has affected and changed the progress of my life to the present day. But there's one way of moving on to illustrate this. It's a Chinese character. As you you heard, I grew up in the Far East and so on. This is the Chinese character for world. In Japanese, we read it as yo. It's the world. But I want you to look at that Chinese character very, very carefully. There's three crosses. Three crosses. Just throw up the next slide for me. There they are. And I just read to you about three crosses, two thieves on a cross. One believed. One didn't believe. One said he is who he claims to be. One didn't follow him. One he said I, you will be with me today. In paradise, one was lost. Look at that that character for it, and Sharif. Give me the next slide. If you look, two of the crosses are linked, and one goes out on its own. Three crosses, two linked one going out in its own. The oldest written language in the world is Chinese. And I firmly believe that through the pictures of the Chinese, Japanese language, God speaks. And that's what the whole passage I read to you this morning was about. It was about that scene on the cross where there are three. Why three crosses? The man in the middle was dying for the sin of the world. One on one side, one on the other side. One accepted. One refused. One went with him. One went on his own. The world. God doesn't divide the world into geography or creed or whatever. He divides it simply into this. Do you Believe. Do you believe? For God so loved the world. Let that sink in. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son. To die on the cross. That whoever that's you and me, all of us here. That's the whole world. Whoever believes in him will not perish through crosses joy, but will have everlasting. final D is decision. You have a decision to make. I leave it now in the quietness of this moment for you to make that decision. It's a decision that will impact you for the rest of your life. But more importantly, it will impact you for all eternity. That's why I said it was a solemn message. But that's the reality of the gospel. And while I'm not here to tell you to turn or burn, although that might sound like it, I'm saying to you this morning to turn because your life with Him Will commence the moment you believe, and you will have eternal life. The life of God within you for all eternity. Let's all just say the verse together in closing. And you thank God for the bit that means a lot to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for the message. We thank you for the power of the transforming message. We ask our Father that nobody may leave here this morning without understanding the reality of the message. And our Father, that John 3.16 may become the verse which speaks into their life at this moment in time. We commit our time to you now. And as we sing our final hymn in part, we'd ask for your blessing upon us. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.